everyone? How are you all doing this morning so far? Good? Oh my, I just dropped here my iPad. This is not a very good thing. Uh, my name is Lucas. I'm the youth pastor here in our church. And first of all, like, I want to I share something with you. Like, it's a privilege to come this morning and just share the word of God with each one of you. It's been now like two years that my wife and I, we have come here to Rosewood uh, since September of 2015. And, and first of all, I want to say to you, thank you so much. Thank you for your lives. Thank you for your hearts. Thank you for welcoming each one of us, my wife, myself, and now with our four-month little girl, Nina, that we are loving so, so much. Like, I want to say to you, thank you so much. Uh, when we came to Canada three years ago, and as you can see, like, from my accents, where is this guy from? <laughs> I'm from Brazil, uh, the tropical country of Brazil, beautiful country. Uh, and it's been three years now that I have, my wife and I, we have been living here in Canada. Uh, and when we came, like, we came actually with God's direction. Uh, we came with God's actually just, like, pointing out and showing us his finger. This is where you guys are going to go. Uh, and we didn't know anyone. We didn't know any family here. We didn't know nobody here in Canada. But we knew the only one that actually was bringing us here, which is God. And our God, he always, always, always provides to us. And seeing what, we ha what God has done in our lives in these three years, how he has blessed us, how he has showered us with a lot of blessings, wow, this is so, so, so good. So I want to say thank you so much. My wife, she's right there, like she's just like coming with a baby right now. Uh, perhaps... Uh, Perhaps like you're seeing some of, some of the, the morning services. Hey, where's Maria? Usually like she sits right there in the back. And then like usually uh, some part of the service, like she needs to go downstairs just to, to nurse the baby and everything. Uh, but oh my, like what a pleasure. And seeing our baby girl, like now she's growing every single day. And wow, like we're enjoying. When I see Kylie and like now she's 10 months. Oh my, like in a, in a second, like our, our daughter, she's going to be also 10 months. And... <laughs> Time flies, right? Like time, time passes by so, so, so fast. And as I told you, I'm the youth pastor here at church, and it's been a privilege. I want to share this with you before, like, just going to the message. Uh, wow, like, how it has been such a good, good time that we're having nowadays with our youth ministry. Like, now we're, we're living such, like, a wonderful moment with our youth ministry. We're having a lot of youth from our church and also from our community. Like, some months ago, uh, as we, we are, we're trying, like, I have a thing that, I ha that I'm trying to, to develop with, with our youth that is going deeper with God and also wider. And what, what it means, like, wider, that actually we, we are supposed to be salt and light in the world. We're supposed to be the missionary, missionaries out there, like, bringing others to know Christ as well. And some months ago, I was, I was just encouraging the youth. Come on, like, if you know, like, some friends that perhaps they have never, like, come to church. They have never seen, like, youth group as this one, like, and please invite them. And, and I see, like, I see up there in the balcony, Ricky. Where, where are you, Ricky? Can you raise your hand? Ricky Alexander, uh, some months ago, like, he, together with Kai and all the, the other guys, like, they, they started to invite their friends from Pope School, which is a school nearby, and oh my, like we're having a lot of community kids that are coming every single Friday. And, and we have been so, so, so blessed. Two weeks ago, we had our gym night. That, that Matt Liu, our, uh, Matt Liu, that he's been like a, a, a youth leader here at church for 10 years. He was also like leading us with the gym nights. And, and we had like more than 50 youth like coming here and enjoying. And, and it's been so, so, so good. And this is happening Every Friday, every Friday we have a different activity. Twice a month we're staying here at church. We have a worship party. We have a worship service. We have a, a youth band, like a full youth band that we go downstairs. We have skids. We have black curtain. We put some lights. And man, they rock. Like they party. Like uh, really, really heavy. And we enjoy that. We're like going deeper with God. It's been so, so, so good. And even this morning, coming here with you, it's so interesting because I was praying God. What, what do you want me to share with the church this morning? And it's interesting how the Holy Spirit, he works in our lives. Because actually, how God, he directed me, how God actually uh, just pointed out to me what I was supposed to share, came through one of our youth. Yes, our youth president, Alena Broomfield, she texted me. 
And in her text message, like, actually was something really, really like with what I was just waiting from God, like a response, uh, an answer from God about what I was going to share. And with her text message, I said, like, God, I know that you're speaking here with me. And I want to follow you. And here this morning, I want to share this with you. We had a wonderful revival week. And, and, and wow, like I was so, so, so blessed. Pastors too coming from Calgary and seeing like I heard so many good things about Pastor Stu and how he was a wonderful youth pastor. And now like seeing him this week, this, this entire week, I was, oh my, what a man of God. And we had a wonderful, wonderful week. With Pastor Stu, with Rene Welch, with all the bands that they came here. And, and I was just like asking God, what else do you want to do in our lives? How do you want to share your heart with us so we can know what you want for our lives and we can do your will? And I want to invite you just to open your Bible with me in John chapter 4. John, the Gospel of John chapter 4. We're going to be reading one verse now. But before we do that, as you open your Bible, John chapter 4, I want to just like share a little bit of the background of what's going on here. What, what is this story that we're going to be reading right now? And here, John chapter 4, like this is the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John, the book of John. And here in the fourth chapter, we see that Jesus Christ, he's already getting like very famous. Jesus Christ, in the beginning of this chapter, it says that Jesus Christ, he was having a lot of disciples. And even like people, they were wondering, wow, he's baptizing a lot of people more than even John the Baptist. Which was like another prophet that he was already like baptizing a lot of them, like pointing out the way of the Lord, pointing out the way of the Messiah. But actually, it wasn't Jesus Christ that he was even like baptizing. He was his disciples that were baptizing all of them. But Jesus Christ, he was getting famous because of all of that, because of his teachings, because of he was like performing a lot of miracles. And people, they were seeing this. And even the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they were asking, hey, who is this guy? And here in John chapter 4, in the beginning of that, it's actually Jesus Christ, he felt led by the Spirit of God to go from Judea back to Galilee. He was over there in Judea, but he needed to go back to Galilee. And in the middle of the way, the journey to go from Judea to Galilee, he needed to go, if he wanted to, he needed to pass through Samaria. And this is what the text says to us here in John chapter 4, verse 4 says, Jesus had to go through Samaria. But let me just like say something here to you. He didn't have to go through Samaria because simply he didn't have any other choice. Because being honest with you, like at that time, most of the Jews, Jesus Christ, he was a Jew. And most of the Jews, they would always, always, always avoid going from Judea to Galilee, passing through Samaria. They would always avoid going through Samaria. Always, always, always. But see, Jesus Christ, he was different. Jesus Christ, he knew that he had to go through Samaria because God wanted to use him over there in Samaria. He had a specific mission for him over there in Samaria. And when he gets in Samaria, he gets in the town of Sikar. And when he gets there, he is thirsty. His disciples with him, they were totally hungry. And the disciples said, okay, we got to go to town and we got to go like to a shop or whatever because we need to buy some food. And Jesus said, okay, go you guys ahead because I am thirsty and I need to come and drink some water. And Jesus goes to the famous well of Jacob. And when he gets there in the famous well of Jacob, he, okay, so I need to get some water, but I'm here in the well. How am I going to get some water if I don't have the specific supplies, the tools with me to get the water? But then, who comes in the scenario? A Samaritan woman. When the Samaritan woman, she comes, Jesus Christ looks at her and asks her, please, can you give me a drink? And she replies, come on, you are Jew, I'm Samaritan, why are you speaking with me? And all of us, we know that there are like some very big divisions between Samaritans and Jews. But let me just like give you like a little bit of background with that. There is a historical conflict with this that is really, really important for you to understand. And the historical conflict between Samaritans and Jews, they happened because long time ago, after the reign of David, after the reign of Solomon, the kingdom of Israel, they were divided in two kingdoms. The kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. The northern, ki the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. 
And with that, in the northern kingdom, it came like a time that the, the kingdom of Assyria, the Assyrians, they came and they attacked the northern kingdom. And they deported all of them back to Assyria, all the Jews over there. The majority of them, they, they just were deported to Assyria. But there were some remaining Jews in Samaria. And these remaining Jews, they got married with all their people from all their nations, foreigners that they came to live there. And because they got married with them, according to the southern kingdom, according to the other Jews, they saw them as they were impure. Why? Because they were going against God's law, God's instruction that they were not supposed to actually mix with another nation. They were supposed to be pure. And because of that, there was a huge animosity between the two of them, between Samaritans and Jews, that ever, ever, like always, the Jews, they would see the Samaritans as, oh, they're not anymore the people of God. They're not anymore the nation of God. They're a mixed race that actually they don't have anymore the covenant of God in their lives. And because of this, a huge prejudice came between the two of them. A huge conflict, a huge battle, a huge racism between Samaritans and Jews actually happened because of that. And here we have a story that centuries later, centuries later we see that this racism, all this prejudice was actually going on with them. It didn't, it didn't end at all. And here it is a Samaritan woman with Jesus Christ, a Jew, and Jesus asks, can I have some water? She says, how come you're talking to me? And now they have like this crazy conversation. He asks for water. She says, oh, why are you talking to me that you're a Jew? And then he says, oh, if you knew who I was, then you would ask me to give you water, and I would give you living water. She replies, okay, but who are you, man? Like, let me ask you, are you greater than Jacob, the one that gave us this well here? The one, the one that supplied us with this water. Hey, by the way, what, what is this living water? What kind of water? Is that a better water? And Jesus Christ replies to her, no, like, if you drink from the water that I give you, you will never be thirsty again in your life. And then once she sees, like, okay, wow, this is a different water. And perhaps she's thinking, like, this is a magic water that I drink. No, never I will be thirsty again in my life. But then with this, Jesus Christ said, I have this water for you. Would you like this water? Yes, I want this water. I want this water for my life. And he says, okay, go ahead, get your husband. She replies, no, the thing is, I don't have a husband. And yes, that's true what is said, lady, because you don't have a husband right now. The one that you're living, he's not your husband. And the five husbands that you had before, you are not with them anymore. You're living with another one, and you said the true thing. And over there, she realized, wow, I'm here talking to a man that he is different. And I have a question for you, different man. And my question to you is, you Jews, you always tell us we're supposed to go to Jerusalem to worship God. Only in Jerusalem we're supposed to come all together and worship God. But my question is, ourselves, Samaritans, we think that here in the Mount Gerizim, here in Samaria, it is where we're supposed to worship God. Where should we worship God? And this is the context that we all come here this morning. Where should we worship God? And his reply was the best one. His reply is a reply that actually just shows the hearts of our God and what is the heart of worship. And I want to read with you John chapter 4, only one verse, verse 23. John chapter 4, verse 23 says, Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Let me read this again to you. Yet a time is coming, and now has come, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Can you close your eyes for a second? Dear God, we come in your presence this morning. And we come in your presence because we know that you are present here with us. We know that you have already promised that when two or more they are united seeking you, you are there with us. And you are here right now with us. 
We come in your presence because we know that the Holy Spirit of God that has been given to us since the Pentecost dwells inside of our hearts. And as you dwell inside of our hearts, God, you have your wonderful will and you always speak with us. That's why we come here this morning and we want to ask, please God, speak. We're listening. Please God, come and speak with us. We're listening to you. We come this morning not simply to be entertained by a message or by some songs, but we come here because we know that we are in the presence of the great I am. And we know that you always have your best for our lives. And you always reveal yourself to us. So please, we want to ask you, as you're seeking for true worshipers, seek our hearts this morning and make us according to your will, God. In Jesus' name we pray to you. Amen. A time has come and now it is here when true worshipers will worship our God in spirit and in truth. For this is what God is seeking. It is interesting that Jesus' reply to her shows that our Father, He's not seeking for many things that perhaps we seek in our world. And perhaps like we acknowledge that this is like some signs of good people or influenced people in the world. Here, our Father, He doesn't say that He is seeking for public speakers. He's not seeking for charismatic leaders. He's not seeking for gifted administrator people. No, he's not seeking for the best looking one. And I know that you are sitting right now like beside a very best looking person. But he's not looking simply for that. He's not looking for the style that you have with you. That if you're like, oh no, yes, I have the suits with me. Or no, I, I just like come here and I don't have a suit with me. He's not looking for simply that. He's not looking for, even nowadays with the social media and how we are using all of this, let me be like really, really honest with you. God is not looking for the ones that they have the most followers in Instagram or in Facebook or whatever it is, the social media that you use to. He is not seeking for that. But our Father, He tells us here, He is seeking for true worshipers. He is seeking for true worshipers. And let me tell you something. If God is seeking for true worshipers, there must be then a false worship. If there is a true worship, it is, and if Jesus Christ is pointing out here that our Father is seeking for true worship, then there must be some kind of false worship. And something that is really, really important for us to understand, true worship is different than simply worship. You know why? Because let me be honest with you. Every single one of us here this morning, we worship something. Let me go beyond that. In the city of Toronto, every single person, 2.7 million people here in the city, half of them, they are immigrants. 50% of them, they are immigrants. Each one of them, they worship something. 7 billion people in the world, nowadays, right now where we are, there is like in the entire world, all the people, each one of them, they are worshiping something. Because all of us, we worship something. What do you mean? Like, okay, but what do you mean with worship something? So before going with this, like, first of all, we need to understand what, what, what we mean with worship. What is the meaning of worship in itself? I was looking for a definition of worship. And with the Merriam-Webster, it says that worship, it is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. It is to devote yourself for something with all your passion, all your resources, and all your minds. Let me say, let me say this again. Worship is to devote yourself with all your passion, all your resources, all your minds for something specifically. And if this is the case, then we understand that 7 billion people in the world, all of us, we are devoting ourselves with all our passion, all our minds, all our resources for something. And when we devote ourselves for that, we are worshiping that. And being honest with you, like when we devote, like we're enthusiastic about, uh, about that. We bring our enthusiasm with us. That's why even it is not simply a church in itself that we worship. Even out there in the world, there might be worship in many, many different ways. For example, let me just like show you a picture here so you can see like a type of worship. I just got this picture here from a, a heavy metal concert. 
I don't know if you have been in a heavy metal concert, like, I have been already, like, a while ago. But here, like, I got this picture of, like, people that's there, just like, okay, lifting up their hands, they're shouting, they're like, oh, with all their energy. And if they're living for this, if they're devoting everything that they have with all their passion, with all their resources, with all their minds for this, so they're worshiping. And let me be honest with you, this is a good worship. Oh, no, no, Lucas. Come on, Pastor Lucas. This is a heresy. Well, what, what are you saying here? No, no. Let, 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 me, let me try to explain this with you. Let me show you another picture here before. Blue Jays. Wow, I love Blue Jays. I'm talking to with Raven like we got to go one day like together because although I love baseball, Bill Hibbs, and I know that you love baseball, but I don't know like, I don't know all the rules of baseball. I love the game in itself. And here we have in Toronto like Blue Jays that everybody loves. Everybody goes and, and sees them and everything. And, and here you see like all the people like enthusiastic about that. And if they're living for this, this is a type of worship. Or even Raptors, for example. I got this other picture. Check out this guy here, man. <laughs> Open his mouth and he was all like extravagant with this. If he's living for that, like this is a type of worship. And I said this before, this is a good worship. Why? Because he's giving everything that he has for that. But the thing is, a good worship is not necessary, it's not enough. Why? Because we can have a good worship before a bad God. And that's the issue. I can have a good worship in my life, but perhaps I can be worshiping something that is not the good one for me, the good God for me. I can be worshiping a bad God. And it could be a concert that I go to. It could be Blue Jays. And, and don't get me wrong, it's not a problem at all going to Blue Jays, to Raptors, going to a concert of someone that you love so much, or going to Broadway. This is all, all very, very good. This is like a blessing. of the. This is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit, He shows His creativity among us. It's, all, it's, all, it's not a problem with that. But once I come and I devote my whole life in that so then I'm worshiping, although it is, might be good, I'm worshiping a bad God. And there are many, many types of like bad gods that we have nowadays. It could be your career. It could be like your workplace that actually you devote yourself with all your heart, with all your minds, with all your resources in that. And sometimes like you're devoting all of this, you're worshiping something that won't fill you up, won't fulfill you, won't bring you the meaning of your own life. And this might be a bad God for you. And this is a bad God. It could be even like someone that you just like deposit your life, all that you have, like all the love that you have. I love my wife very much. I love my wife very, very much. But I cannot like come and worship my wife like in a way that's, well, she's the reason of my life. You know why I love my, life so, my, my wife so much? It is because first of all, I love God so, so much. I love more God than I love my wife. And because I love God, I can come and I can love my wife with the fullness that I have with me. Why? Because I realize that she's not the, the source of my worship. She's not the one that I'm supposed to worship. But she's a blessing of God and we do life together and we have this wonderful family together. So we have this good worship for a bad God. But the opposite is also true. We can have a bad worship for the good God. Jesus Christ, he said in Matthew Chapter 15, 8 and 9, he was quoting Isaiah. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. We can come to God and we can say, God, I want to worship you. But knowing this good God, knowing the one that is the great I am, knowing the one that is the creator of the universe and the savior of our lives. We can come to him and simply actually just bubbling like our mouth or simply like just opening our mouth, proclaiming some words, but doesn't come like from inside of our hearts. And then we are not worshiping him for whom he is. And then we can have a bad worship for the good, the great I am, for the good God that we serve, for the only living God that we serve. But if this is true then, like, and we see here Jesus Christ pointing out that our Father, He's seeking for true worshipers. The time has come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. So what is a true worship then? How, 
how do I know, like, actually, if I'm, like, worshiping God, like, with the, with the fullness of my heart? How do I know if this is the true worship that I'm just, like, bringing to God, or if this is not a true worship, this is a false worship? And let me, like, share with you really briefly three qualities of worshipers in the Bible. Three qualities that shows actually, like, how God, he calls us to worship him. And first of all, like, true worshipers, they worship our God with awe. True worshipers, they worship our God with awe. Here, Hebrew says in 12, verse 28 and 29, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. We worship our God with awe. And why we worship our God with awe? Because we understand who is the one that we are all coming together, like here this morning, Sunday morning, so we can worship. We understand that we are in the presence of the Holy One, of the great I Am, of the God Almighty, of the one that saved our lives, of the one that has already like removed from where we were in the past and He has saved us, He has given us an abundant life. So when we come with Him, we cannot simply come like, with and say, oh, you know what, I'll just like do this and I'll go back home. No, I am in your presence, God. And because I'm in your presence, I want to worship with awe. Wow, I'm so amazed by your presence in our midst. Prophet Isaiah, remember the passage in Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah over there, like when the king Uzziah, he has died. He died in that year. And prophet Isaiah, as he was in the temple, he had a vision of God. He saw the Lord. And as he saw the Lord seated on the throne, there were seraphims and they were all like flying. Each one of them six wings. Took over their feet. Took over their, their, uh, took over their, their feet, sorry. Took over their, their, their face. And with two they were flying. And they were simply proclaiming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. This is what they were proclaiming more and more. Why? Because they were in the presence of the Almighty One. And here Isaiah, he saw that. And when he saw this, he was, Oh, to me that I'm a sinful man. And this is what happens with us. When we come in God's presence, we got to know that we are in, in the presence of the only one that deserves our worship. And do you know why this happened with Isaiah? Do you know why he came and said, Oh, to me that I'm a sinful man. You know why he said, No, I want to worship together with these angels. You know why? Because he saw the Lord. He had an encounter with God. And everything changes in our lives. The worship that we give to God changes dramatically when we have an encounter with God. When we see our God face to face. And as I come here this morning and I share this with you, I know that throughout this entire auditorium here, I know that there are many of you that you had an encounter with God, that you had an experience with God that they were like very unique to your life, a singular experience where you saw the Lord in your life. And when we see our God, when we know that we're living, we're worshiping this wonderful God, the living God, the God that He's here in our midst, we want to give Him all the praise that we have. We want to proclaim like all the goodness that we have like and say, God, you know what? Like it's not because of us, but it's because of your goodness, how you have reached me. And I want to worship you with everything that I have. Or remember like in my life, when I was younger, when I was just like a teenager, and I, was, I grew up in a Presbyterian church. Until I was 10 years old, like I was in a Presbyterian church. And I remember when I was 10, like my mom, she, she heard about these retreats, a Pentecostal retreats. And she said, oh, no, I think you, you guys are going to go to these retreats. And myself, my brother, I have a twin brother in Brazil, just like me, but he's a bald guy. I'm getting there. Like it's, it's, it's falling every single day. It's falling more and more. <laughs> but me and my brother, my twin brother, and my sister, we went to these retreats. And I remember when I got in this retreat, like, imagine, like, the, the amount of people that we have here. And all of them, they were worshiping God. And when I saw the first night that I saw them worshiping God, like, I saw them raising their hands. I saw some of them, like, shouting out. And, and I was like, hey, what is going on here? Like, I come from a very different background. I was asking, what, what is this? What is happening here? 
But seeing all of this, like something actually just like got inside of my heart. Like, I want this. I don't know what they're experiencing. But, but if this is God in their lives, if they're having like an experience with God, I want to have an experience with God. Someone, like one of the leaders came to me and said, I know, perhaps like I was just 10 years old. I was a boy, 10 years old. And one of the leaders just like said to me, like, perhaps, are you okay? Do you understand everything that is going on here? And I said, no, I don't understand everything. The person explained a little bit to me, and I said, I want this in my life. And the woman simply just said to me, simply ask God. Pray to God and ask him. You're going to see he, he will come to your life. On the second day, I was seeking God. On the third day, I was seeking God. On the third day, on the, third day, on the fourth day, one night before we just finished our retreats, as we were seeking God, and as all these people, they were seeking together, worshiping God. I don't know what happened with me. I was 10 years old. But something changed my heart. That I felt like God's presence coming to my heart. In a way that I have never felt before. And I felt like a peace that, wow, it was like beyond my own understanding. But I felt simply complete. At that moment, I felt complete. I felt loved. I felt wanted. I felt that the, the whole reason of my life was there. And simply as I received this God like inside of me, I was in awe and I want to worship him. It was simply like, God, I want to worship you with everything that I have. I want to worship you with all my heart. And I was just simply like proclaiming with the words that were there. With my own words, I was proclaiming, God, I want to give you my life to you. I, want to give, I was only 10 years old. But since then, like, my life was never the same because I knew this God, he's real. And he's not simply real there for those people. He's real here inside of my own hearts. You dwell inside of me, God. When we understand this, we worship God with awe. And this is what is available to us when we come here this morning. The Holy Spirit of God, he's here. He's moving in our midst and he's available to each one of us. To the ones that perhaps you have already experienced this in your life. He wants to pour out even more in your life. To the ones that perhaps you're coming here and say, well, I'm hearing this, but I have never had this experience. He is available to you. God, he doesn't show favoritism. God, he's not like pointing out just some of us just to pour out his, his spirits. No, he wants to pour out his spirit in all of us and we simply need to say God here I am God I want you in my life because when we do that we worship him with awe with everything that we have but it's not simply worship with awe when we worship our God and true worshipers they worship with awe they also worship with abandon we worship God with abandon. True worshipers, they worship in spirit and in truth they worship in abandon they worship with everything that they have Everything that they have in their lives, that it's not about me anymore. When I know that this amazing God, he dwells inside of me, it's not about my life anymore. It's not about like my, my preconceptions of what I wanted to do, my dreams, my plans. But I abandon all of that and I say, God, I want to devote all of this to you. If worship is devoting all your hearts, all your resources, all your minds, all your passion for something, when you see God, you want to devote everything to him and you abandon everything. I remember of David, the famous David. He was a true worshiper that we see in the Old Testament. And King David, he was unique because at that time in the Old Testament, he knew the heart of God. He knew that God, he was looking for true worshipers. He knew that God was looking for people that wanted to have a relationship with him. And David, he was advanced of his time at that time. Why? Because he simply wanted to seek God. And when we go to 2 Samuel chapter 6, we have like a wonderful story. That let me just like be briefly with you here. Long story short, like the presence of God in the Old Testament was manifested through uh, uh, the Ark of the Covenants. The Ark of the Covenant was just like simply an ark, like a, a, a small furniture that actually symbolized God's presence. And for many, many years, like the Ark of the Covenant, because of the, the battle that they had with the Philistines, the Ark of the Covenant wasn't anymore with the Israelites. And here in 2 Samuel 6, they have this wonderful joy. The Ark of the Covenant is coming back to Jerusalem. 
to the city of David. The Ark of the Covenant that was a long time ago, the presence of God that was a long time ago, not anymore with us, is coming back to the city of David, here to our territory, to our land. And here we see King David, imagine, the king of the nation of Israel. He was in the front, like you, you have all these people that they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant. And King David, he was in the front and he was simply dancing. 2 Samuel 6, 14. He was dancing before the Lord with all his might. He, was, he didn't care of what people they were thinking about him. He didn't care like what others they were thinking. Oh, you are the king. How come you are doing all of this? And guess what? Like there were some people that they, they got mad at him. And actually... The one that got mad at him was his own wife, Mikal. Mikal came to him and said, how come you're making such a, like a foolish of yourself? You are the king. How come you're dancing all of this? Like all these people, they're seeing all these women. They're seeing you. Are you drawing attention for yourself? And here we see King David replying to her. Mikal, let me tell you something. I was dancing before the Lord. Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this. Even to be humiliated in my own eyes. Why? Because I know the one that I'm here worshiping too. I'm worshiping the only God. I'm and I'm happy because we're bringing the Ark of the Covenant. So I don't care what people they think. I want to devote myself to you, God. And this is the beauty. Because true worshipers... Worship not what we're seeing with our eyes. We're not worshiping what people, they're like thinking about us. How they're going to react to us or what. But no, we are worshiping the great I am again. And if I'm worshiping him, like I want to abandon myself. And that's why like I can lift up my hands. I can shout out. I can proclaim like, God, I love you so much. We were singing before, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, I love you so much, God. Your honey. It's like... you. How is that like? Your honey is like? Your word is, your word is a lamp to my feet. Your, your honey is? Okay, yeah, help me out. Your name is a, like honey on my lips. Your spirit like water to my soul. Like when you realize the one that you're worshiping, you come and you sing, God, yes, your name is like honey on my lips. Like all of this, I feel like the sweetness of your presence in me. And then I can come and I say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. And he is the focus of our worship. He's the one that we come and we all worship together. Why? Because we love him so, so, so much. I remember, let me just like share this with you. Worship with abandon. Since I was a, I was a kid, like I remember that I always enjoyed worshiping God. Since I had an encounter with God, like I always wanted to devote myself to God. I, you know what? Like I don't know anything about the future yet. I don't know how you're going to use my life. I don't know like what you have for me. But since I know you, I want to worship you, God. And I was worshiping God. Because of that, later on, like I was playing guitar and the people, they saw me playing. Hey, why don't you play with us at the youth group, at some small groups as well. And I was doing all of that. Later on, like people, they said at church, like, oh, why don't you lead a church? Why don't you like come? And I was like, no, man, like this is not for me. Like, no, no, come and lead a church. Like, and also I was with the band playing and all of that. And everything was great. Everything was great. Until like I was a young adult, and I was already a pastor over there in Brazil. That because of all the things that we were doing at church, and, and all the craziness, everything was so, so busy. A lot of things at church, I was by vocation at that time, like working at church and also working in the financial industry. I was full-time in the financial industry, and also at church, like going every single weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was at church like the whole time, the whole, the whole time. And it was great. It was very, very good. And I was worshiping God. I was bringing like all this music and everything we were doing there. Everything was good. But I remember like it came a time in my life that I was asking God, I don't know, like well, people, they're not responding anymore the way that I, that I thought they were going to respond. People, they're not like anymore like in the, the way that I thought they, they should come and worship you. And I would ask people, I would come like to someone, I said, hey, what do you think? Like, hey, what, what, what can we do just to get better? And all these questions, just to understand like, well, how people they were worshiping God, how people they were connecting with God. And one day, like, I came to God, and, and I was praying to God, and I was sad, and I said, God, I don't understand. I don't understand why people, they're not, like, responding the way that I thought they, were sh they, they should respond. And as I was doing all of this, like, I remember that God, he asked me a question. Why don't you ask me? 
He said, what do you mean, God? Why don't you ask me what I think about you worshiping God? Why don't you ask me what I think about you worshiping me? And as I got the question, I said, sorry, God. Sorry, because sometimes like, I'm more worried about others than actually like, just simply focusing on you alone. And he gave me a picture. He, tell, he told me, Lucas, let me, let me just like, show you how I see your life. And I got this vision of like, myself as a boy. And I had like, this white paper in my hands. And I had some pens on me. Like, and, and I was just like, simply drawing some things. And also surrounded it to me like there were like other kids as well. And as I was drawing all of that, it's like, instead of me like coming and bringing that to my father to show my father what I was doing, I was coming to like all these other kids and I was showing to them and I'm saying, well, how can we improve? How can we can have like a better drawing? And God told me like, see, see these kids. See yourself as a kid. I'm not worried about your perfection. I'm not worried like if you have like the best drawing in the world or not. But I'm worried about our relationship. I want you to have a relationship with me. I want to pour out in your life. And when, once we understand this, like then it's not about us anymore. It's not about others. It's not what about what like others they think. It's about the Savior of our lives. And with him, like, he is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. He's the one that we can come and with abandon, we can bring it all to him. We worship God with awe. We worship him with abandon. And the last one, we worship him with also intimacy. We worship God with intimacy. Samuel 27, Psalm 27 verse 4 says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. One thing I ask of the Lord, one thing I ask from the Lord, and only one thing I seek, it is just to simply be in his presence, be in his temple. Just to simply come like in his presence and enjoy myself in his temple. Do you know what is the meaning of that? God is not like, God is not like simply seeking for us in a way that we can, we can have a relationship with him like simply on a Sunday basis. God is not looking for two hours of our week. God is looking for people, true worshipers, that they will come and they will have intimacy with him. They will enjoy like of intimacy with our God. They will have a deep relationship with him. You know what? Like I was mentioning about my wife. But let me, let me share something with you. Like, If you ask about my wife, I have like a lot of things that I can tell you about my wife. If you ask, like, oh, how is Maria? How is Maria like? What does she like? How, how is she? I have a lot of things that I can tell about my wife. And all these things that I can tell about my wife, all the things that I can tell about how much I love her, how, how like, I like the way she walks, how I like the way she talks, how I like, like the wisdom that she has. My wife, she's very wise, very, very wise, in a way that many times that I come to her and I say like something that's bothering me, like a question that I have, and for her it's so simple, and, and she has like this wonderful, like very short, brief, but very wise answers. And she tells me like right away, and I love that about her. I love how she's calm, but also how confident she is. My wife, like she, she, she's very determined. She, she, when she wants something, like, and, and she's very direct in a way as well. Loving as well, but like she's very direct. Like when she wants something, she'll go like, honey, I like this that you're doing, but I don't appreciate that. And right away she goes and tells me. And I love that. We're together for nine years, four months dating, so together... We, we, we have, we have, we're, we're together for almost nine years of marriage. Four months, four years dating. I said four months? Wow, oh my, so, man, come on, pray for me, guys. Four years dating. Nine years, almost nine years of marriage. Almost like 13 years together. And there are a lot of things that I can tell you about my wife. But you know what, like, I don't know all of this of my wife because I Googled her. Because I tried just to go, like, on the internet and say, like, oh, how is she? I, did, I didn't stalk her on social media, like on Instagram. Or although, although, like, sometimes I go to Instagram and I see her pictures and say, Wow, man, God, how, how you have blessed me. This wonderful lady here, like, 
But you know what? Like, I don't know her simply from social media, from the Google. I didn't go for a school. I didn't go for a master's program so I can know about Maria Elisa Bueno Prado. No, I didn't go through all of that. But I know all of this. Why? Because I have intimacy with her. Because I have a deep relationship with her. Because I get to know her more in my life. Because I pour out myself and also I wanted to hear her heart. Because we went through a lot of like very good relationship, but also a lot of conflicts, discussions together. And we could know about each other. And that's why nowadays I can come and I can say a lot of things. Why? Because I know her. Because I do life together with her. And this is not simply something that I do, like something over there in the past. Like, okay, honey, you want to start dating with me? Okay, we're going to start right now. Four years from now, I'll come back here. We're going to get married. And then now, like, I'll come to church after nine years and say, yeah, by the way, we are married. No, we can we got to keep doing life together every single day. And even yesterday, Bill Hibbs, like, it was me, Bill Hibbs, Pastor Stu, after the, the, the men's breakfast, man, the revival week was very hectic. We had a lot of things. They were very, very good. And we came to the men's breakfast yesterday. By the way, like, if you're a man, you got to come to the men's breakfast once a month. It's delicious. Very, very, very good. And as we were there, after the men's breakfast, Pastor Stu, he, was, he had to go to the airport. And I asked yesterday, Pastor Lisa, Pastor Lisa, uh, who's going to take him? Like, oh, if you want to, like, you can also take him. Oh, I think Edna is going to take him. I talked to Edna, our sister Edna. Edna said, yes, like, oh, if you want to take, like, please, just do me a favor because I'm also very tired. Like, and, oh, yeah, no, no worries. I'll, I'll take him. When I came to take him, like I didn't see Bill Hibbs, he had already talked to him. And I already like, told, uh, told him that he would, he would take him to the airport. And I came to Pastor Stu and said, Pastor Stu, uh, I'm going to take you to the airport. And he said, brother, 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 let me tell you something. No, you're not going to take me. Bill Hibbs is going to take me. And, 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 let me. and let me say something to you, like with all my love. I once also like had my baby girl of four months. And my wife. And, and in a way, it's like I neglected them. And I don't want you to do the same. Like, go back right now to your house. Stay with your family and just, like, enjoy over there. No, no worries. Like, Bill is going to take me and so, so good. And when I left that, like, I, I was a little bit, like, at the beginning, I was, hey, oh, my, what happened here? Like, <laughs> but then as I was reflecting on that and even, like, on the message this morning, this is so truth because we develop intimacy on a daily basis. And this is the same with our God. He wants to develop intimacy with us on a daily basis. He wants to connect with us every single day. Because when we get together with God, when we pray to God, when we seek Him every single day of our lives, we are able to hear His heart. We're able to hear His voice. And then we can also like be empowered by His presence, equipped by Himself inside of us. Then we can go out there in the world and do His will. But if we don't spend time with Him, how come we're going to do His will? How can we be salt and light in the world if we don't have the light inside of us? How come we can tell the world that the, the light of the world is here and can save them if we don't spend time, if we don't invest our time, our lives together with Him? Oh, we had a wonderful week, revival week. And it was brilliant. It was beautiful what we had here. But let me tell you something. Revival can and must happen every single day in our lives. Imagine if every single day of our lives, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you have a revival in your own home. You have a revival in your own family. Imagine if every single day you come and you seek God. How powerful we'll be when we come here together. All together on a Sunday morning and we can worship our God. Why? Because this is not anymore about the songs that we're selecting. This is not anymore about like simply the message that we're going to have here. Although it's going to be like a, a, a message from God because always God, He speaks with us. But we know that we are in the presence of the great I Am. So when we come here, God, we want to offer you all our worship. And as we offer you all our worship, please speak with us. Please, God, just like through the preaching, speak with each one of us. Holy Spirit of God, move in our midst, walk in our midst. Why? Because we have decided, I want to have revival. I want to worship with intimacy. I want to de develop a deep relationship with you every single day of my life, God. I want to encourage you. Even with your own family right now, like if you have kids, if you have youth in your family, I want to encourage you every single week, like, no, let's get together. Get together with your family. Oh, let's pray together. Let's, let's read the Bible together. Let's seek God together. 
And the more we do this, like the more he pours out in our lives. You know what? Like God, he is the one that is seeking for us. He's seeking for our hearts, like, and he's the one that he's going, like, actually to our lives, and he wants to have a relationship with us, but we need to simply open ourselves to him and say, God, here I am. I want to have an intimacy with you. We worship with awe. We worship with abandon. We worship with intimacy because it is worthy of worshiping you alone, God. Let me finish saying something to you. When the Samaritan woman, she came to Jesus Christ and she asked him about what is the place where we're supposed to worship? She focused her question on what she was seeing with her eyes. She focused her question in what actually she was trying to seek and what was the ideal place, the territory, the land that she, she, she could go in and worship God. But Jesus' reply to her was totally the opposite. It's not about us trying to seek the place to worship God. It is actually the Father, our God. He is the one that is seeking for us. Our Father, He's the one that is seeking for true worshipers. Worshipers that they will worship in spirit and truth, with awe, with abandon, with intimacy, with everything that we have. Why? Because He's seeking for our hearts. And that's why God brought you here this morning. Because God it is seeking for you. God, he wants to have a deep relationship, a personal relationship with you. And he wants to change our lives. And once he changes our lives, it makes totally sense raising up our hands and saying, you know what, God, I want to worship you. I want to bring all that I have inside of me just to simply worship you. So I want to invite you this, this morning. Perhaps like you're coming here and you're saying, you're hearing all of this about worship. But I want to invite you. Are you a true worshiper? Why don't you become a true worshiper? Are you the one that you're worshiping with awe, with abandon, with intimacy every single day of your life? If not, like, here is our God, and our God, he's speaking. He's here in our midst this morning. And he wants us to come back again to him and say, God, you know what? Here I am to worship you, God. Here I am to give you all the praise that I have inside of me. May you please just stand where you are. May I ask like her brother Anthony just to come here for a second. Can, can, you, can, you, can you give me a key? Uh, key of yes. We didn't come here just to simply have a morning together and, and go back the same way that we have, we have come. But we are here to say, God, you know what? Like, I want to worship you with everything that I have. God, he has brought like his revival to our lives this week. And he's pouring out his Holy Spirit in our lives. And he's speaking here with us because, first of all, he want to show his glory to our lives. He wants to reveal himself to us. And he wants to transform us so we can worship him with awe, with intimacy, with abandon. With everything that we have, we can come and worship God. I wanted to just like simply finish this morning singing a very simple chorus. It says, here I am to worship. Here I am God to bow down. Here I am to say that you are my God. And let me say something with you. You know like why we, we raise our hands when we worship God? This is totally optional. It's, it's up to you. Like it's, it's your own life with God. But, but let me say something to you. Historically, the history of humanity, always when people, they lift up their hands, it symbolizes two things. Either surrender or victory. Either like with, when you lift up your hands, like you come and let's say you have like a battle, you have a war, and people they come like, and, and, and when the enemy comes and, and tries just to, to take out your life, like when you raise your hands, it's like, I surrender. No, 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 I, I surrender. I, I want to stop this right now. Or the opposite is true as well. 
when, when you are victorious in something, when you go and it could be in the war or it could be even in sports, we're talking about Blue Jays or, or Raptors, when they win, like what do they do? They raise their hands. Why? Because they, it is a symbol of victory. Let me say something to you. We are the only people in the world. We are the only people in the world that we can raise our hands that symbolizes both of them. We are the only people in the world that we can raise our hands and say, God, I surrender everything to you. And as we do that, as we surrender to him, we also proclaim God. And I know that we are victorious in you. Not because of us. Not because of our power. Not because like we are the, the strong ones here. No, because we're not. But we know that the one that lives inside of us, he is the almighty one. He's the one that for nothing, nothing, nothing for you, God, is impossible. And that's why we can raise our hands to him. It's not the matter of like raising your hands, but it's raising your heart in God's presence. I want to invite you to just simply right now, like as an expression of your love to God, raise your heart and whatever you have with you, your body, soul, and spirits, and say, you know what, God, I want to come here and I want to become a true worshiper every single day of my life. Please make me a true worshiper. Make me like you are, God. And as you do this, like, and as you sing this chorus right now, just say, here I am, God. I want to give it all to you. Here I am to worship. Here I am to here I am, you're mine, you're all together, love, all together, all together, one. Come on, see one more time and tell him that you want to worship him. Here I am, George, oh, here I am, to bow down. Here I am to say, you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Oh, you are God, I exalt. I exalt Thee. I oh, we exalt You, God. Oh, we exalt You, God. we exalt you we worship you for who you are God we worship you for who you are thank you God for your words thank you for your presence in our midst thank you because you have declared that the now has come and now it is the time God that you're seeking for true worshipers and you're seeking for our hearts you're seeking for each one of us and we want to worship you in the beauty of your majesty. We want to worship you with your majestic glory, God. We want to worship you with everything that we have. We want to worship you with our lives. It is devoting ourselves with all our hearts, all our passion, all our minds, all our resources. We want to devote ourselves to you alone, God, every single day of our lives. When we come to a Sunday morning as we are here, but also on a Monday basis, on all the weekdays that we have throughout the week, we want to worship you, God, with awe. With awe for the great I am that you are, for the holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty that you are. With abandon about ourselves, with everything that we have, we want to abandon our preconceptions. We want to abandon God, perhaps the walls that we have inside of us. We want to abandon about the unknown of getting to know more of in our lives. We want to abandon all of that. And we want to worship with intimacy. 
with all our hearts we want to worship. Please, God, just create, God, our lives. Raise your church, God. Build us up, God. Rosewood, so we can worship, God, you in the fullness of our hearts. With everything that we can come together here as a community and we can worship you. With everything that we have inside of us, God. And we know that you have a wonderful plan and you will fulfill your plan. We know that you always will reveal yourself, your glory to our lives. And we can declare that no eyes they have seen, no ears they have heard, what you will do in our midst. When simply true worshipers, they come to worship you in your majesty. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your words, God. Thank you for what you have done. And keep doing in our midst. May you bless us. May you protect us. May you guide us throughout this week. May you come with your peace that transcends all the bless, all, all the all the, the issues that we have in our lives, God. May you come with your peace, God, and may you guide our hearts. May you guard our hearts, God. In Jesus' name we pray to you. May you say amen. amen. May God